morning, everybody. Welcome to Dig Deep. I am so excited to introduce you to three amazing women. They might be women that you've met already um, this semester. These are all women who are in Dig Deep right now. They're in different small groups. And they're going to share a little bit of their stories with us today. And I am so, so grateful. So this morning we have Amy, Nancy, and Jen with us. Would you give them a quick welcome and cheer them on? So we are just going to have a discussion this morning about really what we talked about last week. Can God really grow good things in the pits in our lives? And I'm excited for you to hear the stories of um, each of these women. They are truly, truly amazing. But before we jump into all of that, I thought it'd be good for you to get to know them just a little bit. So they're each going to introduce themselves a little bit, and then I'm going to make them answer a random question out of the hat just for fun. So Amy, why don't you go first? First, a little bit about yourself. Who are you? I'm Amy Abel. It's not on here. Um, I am Amy Abel. I'm married to Jason Abel. <laughs> and I have two children. I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old, awesome. almost 16. If I could choose to do anything for a day, what would it be? I would be with, I would have a party. Oh, right. I would. Can we all come? Yes. Nice. <laughs> the more the merrier, and there would be music. That's awesome. And dancing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nancy Smith. I'm part of the group 37 years ago that started Grace mm -hmm. in someone's living room. There were, I think, 12 of us at the time. And um, it's been the most amazing thing to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm excited to be here today. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, a wife, a mommy, mm. and, um, you know, the picket fence around the house and the <laughs> whole thing. I'm single, never been married, no children, <laughs> so God had another plan. Mm. Wow. Hi, I'm Jen Smith, and I have three kids, 11, 8, and 4. I've known Jess for a long time. Sorry, never hold the mic up. I used to love to sing, and now I don't want to hold the mic up close <laughs> to my face. Um, no, just for a long time, and happy to be here. Awesome. And I don't like answering random questions. <laughs> That's why I'm making you, you do it. <laughs> if you had unlimited resources to start your own business, what would it be? Well, this is a good one for you. <laughs> it is a good one. If you know me, um, you know I love to cook and bake. Um, I've got a lot of different things that I love to decorate homes. I you know, I've been struggling with what I want to do. So probably would open up like a bakery, like a really cool bakery. But also I'm a dietitian, so I would have like lots of different options, like paleo options, and, you know, <laughs> like all sorts of things, gluten-free options because my daughter's gluten-free. And so it's awesome. Probably. That's a good answer. That's a good one for you. Okay, so ladies, thank you so much for being here today. I would love for each of you to just tell us a little bit more about your story and specifically when has there been a time in your life where you would say, I was in the pit? So I'll start. Um, in uh, 2006, I was uh, pregnant with our third child. And it was the first time we found out uh, what we were having. So um, our first two were a surprise. We had a girl and then a boy. And so we were having a little girl. And we didn't have her full name all figured out, but we knew her nickname was going to be Sadie. And so we had been calling her Sadie um, 
throughout ever since we found out. Um, and so the kids were calling her Sadie. It was just really fun. It turned out to be a really big blessing um, mm -hmm. for us. So um, when um, I went into labor, it was a couple weeks early, but every nobody was seemed to be very concerned. So about three weeks early. Um, and this ended up being like uh, two weeks right before Christmas. And I was positive for group B strep, which is a bacteria that is commonly occurring in the mom, but they test you for it because it can be harmful to your child um, during delivery. And so the protocol is just to go in and get um, antibiotics when you um, get to the hospital. And so I went to the hospital in plenty of time. I had an epidural. I got hooked up to antibiotics. Um, my children were all very eager to uh, see the world and <laughs> came very quickly. Um, and Sadie, in particular, um, was delivered in two and a half hours, which sounds fantastic, except for the fact that they um, the protocol is to have at least four hours of this antibiotic. So she did end up mm -hmm. contracting group B strep and um, was, uh, became an infection. And so um, I held her for a little bit, tried to nurse, wasn't really going well, and they were concerned and sort of whisked her off to the NICU. We had two kids at home, and so my husband said, I was like, it's the middle of the night at this time, and so I go home, get sleep. You know, this was our third rodeo, right? We've <laughs> done this before. So um, he went home, and then not too long after he had already gotten home to get some sleep, um, we found out that they were gonna transfer her to Johns Hopkins Children's Center, so her condition had um, worsened. So she was transferred, and then we were going through the steps to try and get me transferred, which is not as easy. And in that time, we discovered that I had an epidural leak. What that means is when they, um, it, the epidural like, goes into your spine, and there was some leakage of some fluid that God mercifully gives us to prevent your skull from sitting really on top of your spine. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take much of that fluid to leak out um, to really create a very uncomfortable um, situation where you really just can't sit up straight without excruciating pain. So there's pain when you're laying down also, but it was excruciating um, just to sit up. So my husband and I left the hospital. You know, I'm trying to lay down in the car, lay down into a wheelchair to try and get um, registered at Johns Hopkins. Um, we were quite a sight, as you can imagine, concerned about um, our daughter. But when we eventually were able to go see her, we were overwhelmed by the staff and the doctors and the nurses at Johns Hopkins Children's Center, um, which turned out to be a really big blessing because um, three days later, unfortunately, our daughter passed away. And so we went home. And I laid down for about a week, and my husband planned a funeral um, without me, for the most part. He had to go to, you know, pick out a casket and all those things um, without me by him by his side. Um, but the blessing was having so many friends and family around us that we couldn't necessarily do all those things that we would have liked together. But we were not ever alone. Mm. 
and never has um, Philippians 4, 7 been more real to me um, in that um, God really gave us that peace that surpasses all understanding. And we were so blessed to know that everything that could have been done to save our daughter's life was done. And um, we've walked through several people with other couples who have lost children. And um, that is an extraordinary blessing that has come out of our story um, with Sadie. That's incredible. I'm going to ask you to share more about that in a minute. But Nancy, let's hear from you. When's there been a time in your life where you've experienced the pit? I started with telling you what my goal was for my life. And um, it was always just going to be that way in my mind. But at college, I started to have some health issues. And at that time, and then that was, this is back in the 60s, you didn't talk about depression. And I was really feeling alone. I, I couldn't imagine how I was going to handle this because this was the dream and everything was going to be great. So I masked it. And as the years went by, and none of the things that I wanted, a, a, a partner, um, to not be able to ha just have to work, but to have a family, that stuff got farther and farther away because I focused on a career. And I had this amazing career. Um, I didn't take it as a gift from God. I felt like God was just waiting for giving me what I wanted, and I waited, and I waited, and my career and my uh, abilities to buy my own house and to do all of the things financially, and everybody thought, boy, this is the dream job, and I'm dying on the inside, but I didn't tell anybody. Um, you know, if I'd say to my mom, you know, mom, oh, I don't know, I'm really having a bad, buck up, Buck up. You can do this. You don't look at your life. Are you kidding? You have a cleaning lady, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, just so many things that to her were amazing. My Hungarian grandmother thought I was crazy and that probably all of the things that I had were given to me by my father because I had no husband, right? So my father must be spending all this money to keep me doing all these things that were not what a woman should be doing. And I just kept going deeper and deeper and still didn't share it with anybody. Um, I felt diminished. And yet, I, when I prayed, I would, you know, I would read the things. I said, God, I've, I've read the scriptures. I know that I'm not alone, and yet I felt alone. And so I, I dealt with that for a very long time. I'm 74 years old, and... I'm very close to the point where I don't need to say, God, when are you coming? Because I was the one who wasn't participating. Mm -hmm. He was there the whole time. I was someplace else worried about what the world thought of me. And that was a really deep pit for me. I'd cry myself to sleep, and then the next morning I'd be on a plane jetting somewhere to do some business mm -hmm. or something, you know. And it was so phony. And now I just feel my life is so full. It's so sweet now. Mm. Thank you for sharing, Nancy. Pastor Jen. 
Nancy, I really appreciate you sharing, uh, especially because I think sometimes the pits that we experience are really obvious to everyone around us. They know that we just went through something horrible or there's a, a crisis going on. And then other times we're in the pit and nobody knows. And we feel like we need to prove to everybody that we're fine. And I don't know if that's a woman thing, if it's a human thing, but I think it's a really common thing. And I appreciate you being vulnerable about that, Nancy, because I know I've, I've lived that in seasons of life too. Thank you for sharing. Jen, how about you? Um, so mine kind of starts when I was little. I, like Nancy, um, well, I'll start even before that. When I was born, I was born, I was a surprise, and I came eight and ten years uh, after my brothers. And so by the time I was born and I kind of, you know, was little, I started asking for a baby brother or sister because my brothers were older, and even though I love them, I really wanted a sister, but... Um, you know, any baby would have done. And my parents, now I realize, you know, why they didn't do it. But at the time, I did not understand. Like, why will you just not have another child for me? You know, I, you know, like, now I understand. My mom the other day was like, I'm tired. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I have three kids now. Um, but at the time, I didn't understand. And so I don't know if it was that or if it was just that I have always been like a nurturing, you know, God just made me a nurturing person. And I just wanted someone to nurture. And so that started very young that, okay, I want this, I want someone to nurture, um, and if I can't have a baby brother or sister, I'll just, you know, wait. And so I would play. I wouldn't play princesses. I would play mom. I would put baby, you know, like baby dolls under my tummy in my room by myself, and I would <laughs> imagine being a mom and being pregnant. And, um, you know, I would just imagine, like, all growing up. And so by the time I got to college, my, my main goal was to find a husband and get married. Like, I was getting a degree. That's great. My goal is to find a husband, and that didn't really happen the way I thought it would either. But as soon as I graduated and when I stopped looking, um, I met my husband, and things um, went very quickly, and we got engaged a year later and then got married another year later. And I thought, okay, this is great, so we'll wait a little while, you know, get situated, and then we'll have a baby. And um, I wouldn't have been, you know, I would have been okay if an accident happened or whatever, and I thought that might happen because it happened with my mom. Like, obviously, she had no problem. So um, I guess about a year after we got married, I um, started having weird back pain and numbness. And I ended up going to the doctor and was diagnosed um, with a tethered spinal cord, which was a problem I had as a baby, but um, didn't really think that it would mean anything when I got older. Uh, so I had to have pretty much emergency spinal cord surgery. Um, otherwise, I would have, I could have lost function of walking, going to the bathroom by myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm 24. Let's, let's get that fixed. So I had that surgery. And the only thing that was getting me through that, I had to lay on my back for three days in the hospital. And the only thing that was getting me through was, okay, when I'm better, I can have a baby. So I get through the recovery. I ended up in a deep depression from some of the medications, but I got through everything. We finally got to a point where Josh felt like, okay, I feel like you could handle being pregnant now. And we started trying, and nothing was happening. So I was pretty um, quick to go to the doctor and try to figure out. I got testing, and um, everything was okay. And then Josh got tested, and there was a genetic problem that we discovered. And it was just the worst blow. After going through all of that, it was like, okay, God, what are you doing? Because this is all I've ever wanted. Seriously, I don't, I don't care about my career. I don't care about anything. I just wanted to be a mom. Um, so it was pretty quick um, after that that I just, I didn't really even take time to grieve. I just 
like laser beam focus, started thinking, okay, well, adoption then. And so we did end up um, adopting a daughter actually nine months after our infertility diagnosis. Um, we were holding a baby girl um, in Las Vegas through an adoption. And then um, after that, it was, you know, that was great, and I was on you know cloud nine, and just so thankful for her. But I wanted her; I didn't want her to be alone. After you know being a what seemed like an only child, I wanted her to have a sibling, and I want them to be close. And um, so we started pursuing another adoption um, through embryo adoption this time, um, and it was a place in Tennessee, so we had to keep traveling down there. And the first two times did not work. Um, I won't go into the detail of what embryo adoption is, but. Um, it's basically IVF um, with uh, embryo donors um, so that people have donated. So it was the third time, and finally it worked, and so we had another little girl, um, and I was actually pregnant with her and delivered her, and so that was, you know, a dream come true, too. Uh, but we just didn't feel like our family was quite complete, and so we pursued um, embryo adoption again since it worked the first time. And this time, we went through all three rounds, and it didn't work at all. So we uh, were just kind of not knowing what to do because it was going to take a lot more money to do another adoption. Um, so we finally uh, figured out the way to adopt another um, child. We got the money, um, and we were going through an adoption. We got matched pretty quickly. We were walking through it with her, with the birth mother. And then one day, we get a call, one evening, actually, and... They said she had the baby and she's not giving it, him up. And so that was another crushing blow because I was, you know, we just, she took a lot of money from us and we just didn't know what to do. Um, so eventually we got matched with another family and did end up adopting another little boy. Um, and actually his um, prospective adoptive parents backed out. And so right around the time that ours, fell through, theirs fell through, and so we were matched with this birth mother, and she was really just excited and happy to, you know, find this match. So we ended up with three um, beautiful children, and um, there's, you know, a lot more to the story, but uh, those are the, the highlights, so. Thanks for sharing, Jen. And what I love about your story is that you, um, it's been a long road for you guys, but you have stayed faithful and not let go um, because sometimes the pits in our life are a really extreme circumstance and other times it's a it's a lifelong um, decades long road that has some ups and a lot of downs and a lot in between and um, it's powerful okay so I want to turn our conversation now to is it true can God grow good things, even in the pits in our lives. And so I'd love for you to share what you've seen, what fruit you've seen in the land of your suffering, like Joseph says. Yeah, so I touched on it a little bit. I mean, one of the um, fruits that we saw was our um, the way Sadie really en endeared herself to the doctors and the nurses, and they all, I mean, that any doctor or nurse wants to see a patient die, right? But they, um, I don't know, it seems like there was something special about mm -hmm. her and her 
main doctor who was there when she died and waited till um, we had had left the room and when we came back to the hospital, um, she was a believer and we are still in contact with her today. We read mm -hmm. at her wedding. I mean, we've really um, developed a, a beautiful relationship to with her and she um, was very passionate about investing in other um, doctors and nurses going through a fellowship program that work either in emergency or um, NICU or PICU, pediatric or neonatal uh, intensive care units. And so we felt God calling us to give back. And so we organized a group of runners um, we called it Team Sadie, and so we would run, um, we actually did this for 10 years, and so we would have anywhere from 30 people, Some one year we had like 120 people running um, in a race, uh, all to raise money um, to support Sadie's Gift, which is a training program for um, for these fellows that is still run um, and multiplying um, through uh, Sadie's doctor, and um, the stories and the gifts that have that God has grown out of that go mm -hmm. far beyond <laughs> yeah. physical things um, at Johns Hopkins Children's Center. They go far beyond the training, um, just the other families who have sick children who have been impacted, the runners who ran in the race and the vulnerability and them raising funds and the stories that have come out of that have just been at times like, my husband and I have been um, just sort of like, wow, why do we deserve to see all this good fruit? It's been really overwhelming for us. And we haven't done this race in a couple years, so it's weird to look back on it now after having done it for um, 10 years. Another amazing uh, tangible fruit is uh, our marriage. The statistics mm -hmm. for um, uh, couples who lose a child um, are that end up in divorce are staggering. It is 80 plus percent. Um, it's very, very hard. And it, um, God brought us so close together from, we were already had a strong foundation through him and, um, but he brought us together and brought us closer during that time, which is, you know, when you look at the world, can only um, be attributed back to God. And in that, we have been, we had people come alongside of us and minister to us who have been, had been gone through the same thing, who had lost um, children at a young age. And then we have also then been able to, um, and been called upon to walk alongside others who have then been able to walk alongside um, even more people. And so you just see how God um, has been able to bring people into our lives and then has put us in other people's lives and the fruit that has grown from that and continues um, to grow and permeate and um, bring glory to him. And I'll just add for my part that um, I've shared with you all that even this semester that one of my closest friends lost a child last year. And I knew a story of a couple that came and was there. They didn't know this couple very well. 
right after everything happened, they walked with them through everything. And I only recently found out that when that couple had gone through their grief, Amy and Jason were the couple who had been there for them and walked through. So it is beautiful fruit to see that you've been willing to um, leverage your pain to help other people heal. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but... Um, it sounds lovely when you say it. <laughs> but, it, I mean, that's, that's, a, um, that's a gift that not everybody would give away, and you guys have been faithful to give that and, and to give of yourselves, and I think that's really beautiful fruit. Thank you. Yeah. Nancy, how about you? What, got, what good things have you seen God grow in the pit? I think when I do Bible study, you read about the evil one in the world and how he tries to influence us in ways that we don't even realize. And one of the things that I was experiencing was not sleeping well. And a doctor had said to me, unless you can sleep, you can't process properly. I don't care how big your job is. I don't care how much you're involved in. I don't care how many committees. You need rest. And um, so I started talking about to God about, well, if I sleep, I won't be talking to you or whatever. But the gift of sleep that he's given me in the past couple years, uh, 18 months, I would say, um, I fight the devil t saying to me, oh, you're by yourself. Or, oh, I go in a crowd of a thousand people and feel alone. Mm -hmm. God's right with me now. He's actually taken over that part of my psyche that was just so um, rigid about me not get, well, you're not good enough. You don't, you don't need a husband. You're, you, you're, you should do fine. Or you got everything you want. What do you want? Well, I wanted him, but he was there. Mm -hmm. So he has just moved that whole screen that was separating us that I had put up. And I would, I would just say, if it's rest that you need, and I don't know how moms do it with lots of kids, because I listened to Mitchell when he says, you know, when things aren't right with Sarah, things aren't right with the whole family, <laughs> because mama needs to be resting. Well, all women need to be resting in whatever, whatever part of life we're in right now, because that's your quiet time with God. And for me, he's just so present all the time now, I can't tell you. It's, it's truly amazing. Thanks, Nancy. Jen, how about you? What good things have you seen God grow in the pit? So, obviously, I have three beautiful children, and um, they're just a constant reminder to me of God's faithfulness. And they're all three so different. They look different. One of them looks just like me, which I'm not sure how that happened. But... Um, <laughs> uh, but they're just, you know, from all over the country, and it's just, it's amazing to see God's faithfulness. And um, But another really cool thing that has happened is um, through our relationship with um, Reagan's, my oldest birth mom, um, we decided to have an open adoption with her. And actually, when she was born, one of the hardest things for me was I just felt this immediate connection with this young girl. And I just remember sobbing when they, you know, we said goodbye to her because I just wasn't sure what goodbye was going to mean. Um, and because I didn't want it to be goodbye, I just felt this connection and this love for her that was indescribable. And um, we did kind of have a quiet relationship in the beginning. Um, she had my number and everything, but I kind of let her run it. And when Reagan was about 18 months, maybe closer to two, 
um, she Facebook friended me, and that kind of started this relationship with her um, where it was very open. And we'd already discussed, you know, we're going to be very open with our children about their stories. And so we had started, you know, when Reagan was old enough to understand, we started telling her about her birth mom and that sort of thing. And we'd always sent pictures and everything. So um, when Reagan was five, she started asking to meet her. And so we decided to fly her out. And she was willing to do that. And it was around Mother's Day. And um, it was just the start of a really beautiful relationship between not only Reagan and her birth mom, but between me and Chelsea. And we just, we stayed up one night um, to really late in the night and um, just talking. And I got to hear, you know, more of the backstory. And um, she was dating someone at that time. And so we talked about that. And um, a few months later, we, I got a call from her saying, I'm engaged. And I was like, that's so great. You know, I'm so happy. All I wanted was for her to be happy. And she was like, I would like for Reagan and Karis, who's my other daughter, to be flower girls in my wedding. And so we flew out to California the following October, and my daughters were <laughs> flower girls in this wedding. And it was just, um, it was so neat to see God's restoration. Like, that's what I really learned from it, um, that God restores brokenness. And in so many ways, you know, I got to see her be happy. And, you know, we had so many people come up to us at that wedding with all three of our children and say, wow, it's so great of you to do this and to come. And we got to share, you know, it's not us. It's it's about Jesus. We were very open about that. And Chelsea's a believer too. And um, but a lot of her friends weren't. And it was, we were able to just share that this was only because of Jesus. Like, that's, that's why this works. There's no discomfort. We love her. We're, we just consider them family. They sat us at the family table. We're going to her baby shower. She's having um, her first baby since getting married. And um, we're going to her baby shower in a couple weeks. And so we're just family now. And um, I tell people it's kind of like she's the closest thing I've ever had to a sister. And... Um, so it's just, it's really a neat, um, a neat thing that God has done. Um, and her mom, too, I'm close to her. And um, when we go out there, I took Reagan last year for her birthday, and um, we stayed with them. And it was just like family. It wasn't, there wasn't any discomfort. There wasn't any awkwardness. It was just like family. And um, so that's how, you know, just one of the ways God's worked. And there's so many other ways, um, too, but that's one big thing that, that God has done. So amazing. Thanks, Jen. You guys see why I asked these amazing women to share this morning? How incredible are their stories? Um, you know, we talked about this last week that fruit isn't just something pretty on a tree to uh, be admired, but it is given to us for sustaining life and to be enjoyed, not just by us, but by other people. And there's just such a beautiful echo in all of your stories that you've been willing to give God your suffering and allow him to grow fruit out of it that's not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of other people and um, that has given life to other people. I just think it's so, so beautiful. Yeah. I just want to add one thing. Um, What's amazing to me right now is people are asking me, what's with me? Yeah. And I find that amazing that they are seeing a change in me that only Jesus can support. And I've believed for a very long time. But 
to me, he's honoring me in people asking me about what's with you. Mm-hmm. And these are people I've known for a very long time. Yeah. And that's why, you know, here, you guys know this from being a part of Dig Deep, it's so important to us as a leadership team that this is a place where we're real about our brokenness, we're real about the pits that we're in, because then that's when God gets the glory for the good things. When we put up that front that everything's okay and we've got it all together, people go, okay, I guess she's great, she's got it all together. But when we're vulnerable about our brokenness and about our pain, and then we say, but look at what God is doing anyway, people take notice of that. And they say, what is that about? Because they marvel at the fact that God can grow good things in the pit. So I'd love for all of you to share as we close our time this morning, what would you say to someone who is in a pit right now? And, you know, we've seen again this morning that the pit takes so many different shapes and forms and sizes in our lives. But for someone who might be in a pit right now, what words of encouragement would you give them? I think um, hopefully you've heard this, the, the thread um, in my story and what God has done is really through community. Mm. And as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, when we are in that pit, it feels, and in our stories here, it feels so lonely and so isolating. When Sadie died, my husband and I had one another, but we also had a huge community around us. And then we have been that community for other people. Translating that to other pits in our lives, um, we have learned that lesson of how important that is to Mm. lay down um, and be vulnerable, I think, um, and make sure that we are continuing to seek community my word of caution is that it is not perfect. <laughs> People are still going to say things that hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to get it right. And to have the grace um, to still stay, the courage and the grace for them and the courage to still stay and still move toward community because it's not I'm painting this lovely, beautiful picture, but it is not always easy. And I think we're seeing that translate into other pits and just being reminded of all the Mm -hmm. things that he did um, when Sadie died and still does um, has Mm -hmm. been helpful to draw on um, in the other pits and hard times in our lives. So community um, is my biggest, I think, takeaway and encouragement. We're not meant to do this life alone and Satan does loves to isolate and um, it's great. So moving toward God and others. It's mm, great. Thanks, Amy. Nancy. For me, the message that I keep hearing from God is that I should care about myself as much as he cares about me mm. instead of feeling a failure or uh, less than he would want me to be. I'm the critic. He loves me regardless. And he wants me to feel that way too. And when I realized that that was a very emotional thing for me, I'm the one who doesn't like me, not him. 
he wants me to feel as special about myself. And hopefully, if you're in a depression, you're not necessarily in a good spot to think clearly on anything. So you just keep having to stay in the scripture and read how he feels about you and feel that way as well. That's great. Um, well, specifically speaking to anyone who's dealing with infertility or adoption, um, going through an adoption, just want to say um, just trust because God will bring you the child or children that are supposed to be yours. And it may not look how you pictured. It may not, um, you know, happen the way that you think it's going to happen. But looking at my children, and I've talked to many people who've also adopted, there is no way I would trade it because my children are meant to be my children. I can't imagine my life without them. So I know how hard it is, but um, just hold on. God has got a plan. And um, I guess just referring to what Jess was saying earlier, how it's been a very long process, this picture comes to my mind of, for some reason, of a roller coaster. And I remember going on a roller coaster for the very first time when I was little with my cousin and I thought it was a great idea that I got on, and it was like, okay, this is not a good idea, and I was like screaming to get, get me off. But this picture comes to mind of a roller coaster and like it just being this journey that you're on, and you're, you're tucked inside, you're safe in the seat, and sometimes you just gotta hold on to that bar that's holding you in there, meeting God, and just hold on, and you might have to close your eyes, you may have to scream, you might laugh, you might cry, but just hold on because you're gonna go up and down, and it's. You know, it might be a really long roller coaster. It might be a really long journey, but just just hold on because you don't want to miss out on that ride. And um, the temptation sometimes is to let go and to say, get me off of this thing. Like, this is enough. I've been through enough pain. I'm done. You know, you, you stop trusting. You stop, you know, seeing what God has for you. But um, I'm just so glad in our journey that we didn't let go, that we didn't get off because it would have been easy, you know, after one um, disappointment, we could have said, okay, that's it. We'll, we'll have one child and that's it. But, you know, we, we held on and it was hard. Um, you know, sometimes I look back and say, I don't know how I did that, but I do, you know, it was God. And, um, so you do, you just kind of have to just hold on, close your eyes, just, he's got you. And, um, you're, you're going to want to see what the adventure is. So, Mm. so don't give up. That's so great. We're going to close our time in prayer, but first, can you guys just thank these ladies again for... Thank you, ladies, so much for sharing so vulnerably with us this morning and being real and um, leaving us with, with hope. I'm grateful for that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this community that we get to be a part of and for these three women in particular, and the ways that you have grown beautiful fruit in the soil of suffering in their lives. I thank you that your promises hold true for them, but they hold true for all of us. And so for those of us who are facing pits of all different shapes and sizes uh, right now, please help us to hold on and not let go and cling to the hope that you offer us, um, that you offer life, even in this broken world that is so full of pain and death. You are the one who gives life. Thank you, Lord, for those promises. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.